When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, I'm Tom. And I'm Nick. And this is... Who got the assist? Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so the uh, the mammoth wait is over, the hype balloon has been punctured and uh, the FPL game is open again for the 2017-2018 season. Yay! <laughs> so, so Nick, how are you? I'm very well, thank you Tom. So um, yeah, I found this really cool new food place near where we work, it's a sort of fusion of uh, various delicacies, but, but enough about that, today's part <laughs> is on the prices. So uh, I mean last week, uh, last week when we did our teams and fixtures uh, pod Nick you were asking me don't speculate you were saying just don't speculate at all Tom and obviously I went on to speculate all the time yes I think several times throughout that pod I said we're not going to speculate and then we go and speculate about it and talk about the prices for five to ten minutes I know of course contradicting ourselves completely but But, never mind and those kinds of antics I think we can actually now substantiate with prices and we're very very excited we were both frantically checking Twitter frantically checking FFS earlier on and uh, I've been the first thing to mention your your finger's hurting a little bit isn't it (laughs) from all the refreshing that you've been slamming slamming down on that F5 button I know I know and I I think the first thing we should mention is uh, related to Twitter is our lead code for this year we we are going to run one uh, Nick uh, has twisted my arm and uh, we're going to do well, of it. Of course we've got to run one, Tom. It's, we have to. Um, and our lead code is 1538-17403. So please, guys, sign up. Okay. Um, so the first thing today, I think, to talk about is uh, to just jump into what the subject matter of today is. It's going to be on price. And the first thing to say is, and we said this way back in May when we first started doing this, this year, I think, will be the year of choice. And I think Nick agrees with me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like last year, Leicester completely changed the the environment for pricing. You had players like uh, Coutinho, eight. He's now nine, of course. Ali, eight point five. Uh, Leaf, uh, Christian Eriksen um, at eight point five two. Um, Eden Hazard starting at ten. He's now going up to ten point five. Whereas you had play- Leicester players, you know, Jamie Vardy, Riyad Mahrez, occupying this this premium territory. Mm-hmm. This allowed us to double up and treble up on players. I think you, you had two or three Liverpool at one point? Yeah, you know? I had triple Spurs as well yeah. for large periods of the season. A lot of people also had triple Chelsea. Yeah. You know, triple uh, Liverpool, of course. I think everything kind of, it just brought the market into focus and it was kind of the reason why we started doing this as well to some extent because we thought that that hadn't really been addressed out there. Um, but towards the end of the season we had incredible teams. You know, Stevens and Yoshida, the the king enablers, allowed us to have teams with Jesus, Kane, 
playing a ridiculous uh, midfield five, of course, with King in there, who's now classified as a forward, boo-hoo. Mm-hmm. I think this year, though, as we've seen, high prices have come out, and uh, choice is the new is the new thing. Hooray for choice. I think price is um, certainly obstacle one that we have to deal with this season, Tom. Exactly. I think an obstacle two is... Uh, management judgment or manager's judgment this is a skill part of the game I think this will be really big this year and I'm really scared of being on the airways while we say this because obviously we're going to get caught out and mm-hmm. people are going to be like you know what these guys are idiots hopefully you don't think that and hopefully we'll be able to explain why we're doing things so yeah are you ready to turn on the bright lights <laughs> yeah yeah. I mean getting in, getting on and off those kinds of players and trying to keep the lights on in your team when players stop performing is going to be really key um, for this season and something that we are going to be trying to cover um, the market particularly obviously doesn't start until game week one kicks off but that'll be something that we're keeping a close eye on and will form part of our usual pods mm-hmm. um, Galileo asked on Twitter about the best formations uh, earlier on this week um, and I believe Nick this is your kind of territory I mean in my article I passionately defended the um, the idea of going big at the back this season yeah. because the, the meta has always been to have as like an attacking as possible formation people are always loving the 3-4-3 three, three. I think it's the most popular formation in yeah, the game yeah definitely but you know like I think that the constant like attacking returns that we were seeing from defenders last season really really challenged this meta you saw the likes of Coleman Alonso and McCauley scoring McCauley you know lots and lots of goals and like you often saw a defender get that that special 15 points from a a goal a clean sheet and three bonus points yeah the holy grail Alonso he got a brace one time I think he got 21 points which is a you know fantastic return obviously for any player yeah Um, and also you know Cahill as well and I I wanted to talk about Gary Cahill because um, he started last season 6.0 and um, ended the season if, with um, so many points that his points per value was actually 29.67 and if you compare that to his uh, teammate Costa Costa's points per value was only actually 20.63 or even if you compare him to Lukaku Lukaku's points per value was only 24.56 okay. so for Cahill's value at 6.0 he was getting many more points per his value compared to some of these other players so okay. he did really really good value uh, how do you work that out what was the, va- the, the, the per value thing so it's based on their opening price so Cahill's opening price was 6.0 cool. it's a total return I don't have it here but whatever 6 times 29.67 is was his total, <laughs> re- total return of points in the season Okay, cool. And today's pod, we're going to be revealing our teams uh, starting from the, from the back and going moving forward. What formation do you have, Tom? Uh, I've gone for a three-five-two at the moment. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what your reactions are. Some of, some of my choices, they are a bit. I, I think that they are going to change towards the the beginning of the season. But at the moment, these are kind of my initial thoughts. And I think the, a big caveat here is that these are all of our initial views. And we are we are going to put our teams up so you can see what we said at this point in time. But close to the season, obviously, maybe the week before kick, yeah, the week before game week one, we'll have another podcast which we'll t- when we'll talk about kind of our finalised teams and whatever whatever else has gone on uh, during that time. Is your team in a four four two, Nick? Are you going to do it at the moment? It is. And like I said, you know, I'm not promising anything. It's probably that I'm going to give it a shot at the beginning of the season, and if it's completely been a waste of time. I'll probably be wild carding in game week five because we've looked at game week five and that's when the fixtures seem to turn for a lot of teams. Yeah, game week so, six. Um, yeah. We'll be loading up on players like you know Everton, Arsenal, Spurs, and Arsenal. Yeah. So um, yeah, at the moment I've got a four four two formation. 
So Nick, today we're going to be looking at goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and strikers cut up into premium, mid-range and budget. The price bands uh, vary per position, but you'll kind of know what we're talking about. And uh, we're going to have a brief look at some of the players who've popped in these places. So the ones that have really stood out as either being a great value or being uh, massively overpriced. And we'll also then be revealing what we're going for. And we haven't seen each other's drafts, so this will be a genuine reaction. Okay, Nick, so the first one we'll talk about is goalkeepers. Let's do that uh, after the break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So, Nick, goalkeepers. And uh, the first thing to say, I think, here is that we are both adherents, I think, of 8.5 spending on goalkeepers. I would launch into a quick impassioned defence of this. I mean, the keeper um, has the lowest ceiling of any player. I I always think that going for the 4.5 with the 4.0, backing up the 4.5 in case of any injury, so something like Heaton Robinson last year or um, Foster and Myhill was looking like this year, is the best way to go. You want that extra 0.5 up the pitch. I mean, there are people who say 4.5, 4.5 is the better option. In my view, the away keeper tends to get more points anyway due to saves. Like at the 4.5 level, these teams are not, are they like guaranteed to get a clean sheet? I know you also hate bench points, don't you, Tom? Oh, so yeah, if, if yeah. there's a 4.5 goalkeeper on your bench that's scored more than your. Uh, first choice goalkeeper then you're just fuming I am it's one of those things that you know, the last thing you want is to have like two points on your on your pitch and then, on, on the pitch I should say and then you see Darren Randolph staring up at you with ten points and a penalty slave on your bench so it's just easier to, to do it that way so you're never upset you fire and forget and you kind of just, just go for it straight away and I prefer to spend the 0.5 elsewhere in my team rather than having two 4.5s um, who will cover each other, yes, but I prefer to pay the four points um, to change my 4.5 if he's injured. It's a very good point, and I do remember last year, actually, a lot of people went for uh, Foster and Heaton as their two 4.5 goalkeepers, and a lot of the time they were actually making the wrong call, so they bench Heaton, which Heaton would get all the points. So uh... Yeah, I guess that sort of thing did happen. You always kind of saw it on the, on the forums, didn't you? People were saying, oh, God, I've got the wrong keeper. Oh, come on, West Brom, concede, concede. I've done it wrong. <laughs> keeper roulette, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We always love a bit of roulette, don't we? We sound like total gams. But anyway, so goalkeepers, uh, the premium keeper, um, like the premium keepers are all kind of 5.5. And David De Gea is the one that is most highly owned at the moment. Last time we checked, about 25% of people. That always happens, doesn't it, Nick? You always see people with De Gea. Well, I think there's a lot of Manchester United fans in general that play fancy football. <laughs> so all the Manchester United players tend to have um, inflated ownership. That's true. Uh, but De Gea, you can kind of see why. Um, you know, he's, it gives you about, it guarantees you about 130 points a season, which is really good for a goalkeeper. Got 132 is the exact average over the last kind of few seasons he's been in the Premier League, and he gives you uh, over 10 clean sheets every season. So uh, it, 13 clean sheets is the average clean sheets he's got in the Premier League. I mean, yeah, he's a great goalkeeper. I think he's been in the official uh, Premier League team of the season for the last two seasons as well. So. He's a highly rated goalkeeper, so it's no surprise that he's popular in the game. Yeah. But um, he's not our recommendation. Like we said, we've, we're both going for 8.5. Yeah. Um, so what are your choices then, Tom? Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways of looking at it. I mean, uh, just to go back to the, to the premium keepers for a second, you know, Courtois at 5.5 as well. Um, <clears throat> the fact is that premium keepers don't get any bonus points because they don't get any saves in games. Um, so Courtois, over the last three years, he got an average of 70 saves through the season. In contrast, Heaton, 135 saves on average he's, he's gotten over the years. And you can see where the bonus is going. You can see why he gets the bonus. Um, I mean, in, in my view, I mean, uh, 
5.0 for heating is now too much. I, I just don't know. I want to pay 5.0 naught, sorry, for heating. So what I've done is I've had a look at uh, four uh, four of the top 4.5 keepers. Um, Boric is obviously going to be replaced by Begovic, who did look very good, didn't he, Nick, when he, he was at Stoke? Yeah, he was um, one of the top five goalkeepers that season in terms of points. Obviously, Pulis was managing Stoke <laughs> back then, so they had a very strong defence led by the likes of Ryan Shawcross and Robert Hoof of Leicester fame. <laughs> yeah, oh man. I mean, I, I've looked at Foster, Fabianski, Gomez and Hennessy. And I've looked at their clean sheets and saves over the last season, their, their clean sheets and their average clean sheets and saves, and looked whether they've got a 4.5 backup, which suits my way of playing the game. Um, Foster um, has six, uh, six clean sheets last season, um, 115 saves. That works out at seven clean sheets a season, 108 saves a season. And he does have a 4.0 backup in my hill. I looked at um, Fabianski, Gomez and Hennessy, as I said. I think um, Gomez and Hennessy, seven clean sheets last season. Uh, Gomez got 117 saves. Hennessy got 83 saves. Um, and that kind of works out in their averages as well. So with Gomez, you're expecting about eight or nine clean sheets. And with Hennessy, about the same. Um, Gomez makes a lot more saves than Hennessy. Um, Gomez doesn't have a 4.0 backup. He has Pantilamon, who's a 4.5. Um, and Hennessy has a, a Spironi who's uh, been given a 4.0 but the one I want to look at is Fabianski actually Nick um, last season he got 8 clean sheets 117 saves so 2 more than Foster not that, that matters too much but over the last uh, 3 seasons he's uh, averaged out at 10, saves, uh, 10 clean sheets a season 123 saves per season which is uh, uh, doing the quick maths about 18 saves more than Foster so what would that be? six more points more than Foster over that time on average um, which is quite interesting he's got a 4.0 backup in Nort fight as well mm-hmm. um, now I think I'm still going to go for Foster and Myhill same as you because the opening fixtures for West Brom are just so good yeah well it's interesting about Fabianski I would like to raise the point though that I think Swansea are more likely to concede more than two and more than four goals per game compared to West Brom and obviously that means a negative one every time that Swansea concede more than two or more than four so that would affect his um, overall score as well so yeah. I'm, I'm still a bigger fan of Foster I mean, is, is that where you're kind of looking do you think for your goalkeeper yeah so for my goalkeeper as my first choice I've also gone for Foster the people and his pumped up kicks <laughs> I, I chose him over Tom Heaton so Tom Heaton obviously he scored the most points for a goalkeeper last season but he's priced at 5.0 I had a look, look at Tom Heaton and um, for between game week 1 and game week 19, he averaged 4.5 saves per game. But between game week 20 and game week 38, it actually dropped. So he had a drop in form technically because he only had 3.04 saves per game between 20 and 38. And, and Foster's, he, he got 3.02 saves per game. So it's, it's very similar to Heaton's second half of the season in terms of performance. Except this guy is 0.5 cheaper. And he also plays for a better team, really. So he's more likely to get clean sheets. Michael Keane's obviously left Burnley, especially with Mr. Baseball Cap, Tony Poulis at the helm. I think they're definitely more likely to keep clean sheets. And actually, as my um, second goalkeeper, I haven't gone the same path as you, Tom. Oh, really? That's that's a um, revelation. That's a revelation, indeed. (laughs) So instead of going for the 4.5, 4.0 model from the same team, I've actually picked Rob Elliott as my second choice goalkeeper and this kind of worked out for me as a strategy last year because my second choice at the beginning of the season was Jordan Pickford he was only a 4.0 goalkeeper but I've 
saw a lot of potential in, in him as a young Englishman and he got his chance quite early on with uh, Vito Minoni getting injured. Right. And I think that Rob Elliott potentially has a chance to make the number one position at Newcastle his own. So obviously at the moment, the first choice is technically Carl Darlow, who's priced at 4.5. Hmm. But... Um, when they were in the Premier League, Rob Elliott was actually ahead of um, Carl Darlow. So he was the second choice goalkeeper at the time uh, behind Timmy Krull. But um, Rob Elliott also got injured and that, that brought in Carl Darlow. Tom got him in on the, on the wild card, got a penalty save and, you know, got tons of points. I saw him Carl Darlow, actually. I think Middlesbrough were putting in a bid for him or something. So oh, really? He might be. So, so Rob Elliott, you know... Could, could end up as number he one. He could definitely end up as number one. He's definitely one to watch. I read um, in the media that Benitez has um, assured him of his future at the club. He's been injured for 13 months, but he's supposedly fit and raring to go now. He hasn't got a red um, arrow next to his name or anything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've, got, I've gone for Rob Elliott, and I think he's a cheap goalkeeper that may end up being Newcastle's number one. OK, so just to end up, I think... So I've gone for Foster Myhill, and you've gone for Foster... Elliot. Elliot. And again, just a caveat, this could change completely given injuries, given just general reconsiderations, if given mess of changes, God knows what. But I think at the moment, for me, that Foster Myhill is locked. Um, I do like Fabianski, and between week three onwards, I'll be looking at Fabianski. <clears throat> but I think for the beginning, it's going to have to be Foster and Myhill. What do you think are the most widely owned duo of goalkeeper, for goalkeepers, for people who are like, more engaged in the game? Quite possibly. I mean, a lot of the goalkeepers are 5.0. Foster, I think, compared to the rest of the West Brom defence, and we're going to cover the West Brom defence a bit later, he's the cheapest way in, and they have um, great opening fixtures as well. So, yeah, we're, we're going for Foster here. Both of us, we agreed. Yeah, I think so. That's a really good point, Nick. OK, um, I think our pizza's here, actually, Nick, which is quite a good timing. So let's, uh, let's eat our pizza and come back to the defenders in a minute. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So defenders, and um, like I said, as I keep saying, I've, I've gone big at the back. As you know, I've gone for four four two. Yeah. I've really overloaded my defence, to be honest. So the first pick in my defence is actually Marcus Alonso. What? 7.0. Like I said on the other pod, I didn't own him last year, and I missed out on six goals, five assists, <laughs> and 15 clean sheets from this guy. And... I want to own him, and I'm going to give him a shot. I know he's expensive at 7.0, but, you know, he got 29.5 points per value, which is my, my favourite saying at the moment. <laughs> and only Gary Cahill and Josh King got higher last season. Oh, fair enough. I think that price for non- Alonso is near good. Uh, like, it's, it's just, you know, I mean, last year the ICT index, which is uh, influence, creativity and threat, he got 158, which is pretty damn high. There's no surprise to see him at 7. It was higher than, than the majority of those on the, uh, who were uh, listed as defenders, except for two guys. Uh, one is Victor Moses, uh, who used to be a midfielder, and the other is James Milner, um, who uh, I think almost got double what Alonso's ICT was. And uh, I also think this might be another guy you've been talking about him for a while. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one last thing about Alonso is I know he's got. <laughs> he's got, can't leave he's it alone. Got, now. Well, no, I want to make this point. It's the only thing is, like, I know he. After the Burnley at home game, he's got a few fi- uh, tricky fixtures, Tottenham, Everton, Leicester. So I'm thinking it, it might just be a one-week punt. I might be like, right, I'll switch him out after just one week. So 
you know what? If he scores against Burnley, he gets a clean sheet. I'm happy. If he does nothing, he might be out my team. Yeah, I think they beat them three 0 didn't they, last year or something like that? So yeah. I think you'll probably be okay. Um, but I mean, Milner then, Nick. Tell me about him. So yeah, James Milner is also in my team. Boring, boring Milner. Well, I've been raving about this guy. I think he's the new Baines. What? You know, obviously Baines was on penalties. James mad. Milner was on penalties. He got seven goals last season, four assists. 12 clean sheets. He's got some tasty opening fixtures as well. Watford away and then Crystal Palace at home. He's, um, you know, if he was a defender last season, he would have outscored or matched him. Coutinho, actually, just on his last season score, he scored more than the likes of uh, Benteke and Negredo. So I think he offers a lot of value for his price, which is 6.5. You yeah, know, um, who, 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 who do you like at 6.5? You don't like no, no Rondon? No, oh, <laughs> don't talk to no, 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 stop exactly. provoking me with exactly. words of Rondon. Ra- sure, you'd rather have James Milner in your team than uh, the likes of Gray or Rondon or, <laughs> or even like some of the Southampton strikers Dear like God. Austin and Gabby Adini. Gabby Afeli. Um, so, so you've got two premium defenders. So you've got yeah. two players in your team out. Before I've even mentioned one of my players. Okay, like well, so I think uh, yeah, we'll go for it, Tom. So we've got so premium. You got your Kolasinac, we looked at six point zero. He uh, got uh, five assists and three goals last season. Pretty decent. You got uh, your man Rudiger, or Mr. Rudy, uh, Mr. Rudy, uh, six point zero. And you got David Luiz, who was six point zero. But actually, my first defender uh, comes in at five point five, um, and he's Ryan Bertrand. Um, I really like Bertrand. I mean, he, he um, his creativity last year, and as in the I, the C bit of ICT, was uh, four hundred and forty-two, which was actually higher um, than Alonso. Um, Alonso got uh, five assists and six goals, and Bertrand got two, uh, eight assists and two goals. Um, but it's worth remembering what our, our friend Ed wrote in uh, the the, pro- the fix up look sharp article about Southampton. Um, which was that the average Premier League side last season uh, converted 10.7% of their chances. Even Middlesbrough managed this. Uh, but Southampton were equal with Sunderland at 7.5% uh, chance conversion ratio, which is incredible. I mean, the year before, it was fif- in 15-16, that was 11.4. And it was just the prof- the profligacy of char- of characters like Gabby Adini, uh, which were really doing, um, kind of causing these failures if you've got someone so creative like Bertrand I just figured that you know when they do sort it out and they might sort it out under Pellegrino um, that we're going to see him really come to the fore as being a good pick especially in the beginning with the really strong fixtures a 5.5 for Bertrand is quite nice I was expecting a 6 um, a 5.5 is very very nice and it's worth mentioning as well Pellegrino um, his Alaves side only conceded 43 goals last season um, in the Liga which is equal 5th so yeah, I mean, I, I think that Bertrand's going to be my premium at 5.5 and you can kind of see the difference already between uh, me and Nick in terms of how we're going to be setting up this season. Yeah, definitely. And it's an interesting point about Southampton because obviously they've got some great opening fixtures. They start with Swansea, then they've got West Ham, Huddersfield, Watford, Crystal Palace. I mean, what an opening five. So I, I also have a Southampton defender oh, in my really? team. And I wanted to get Ryan Bertrand in because I'm a big fan of him. But I was trying to price things up, and it was it was a choice between Alonso and um, sorry Aspilicueta and Bertrand or Alonso and Cedric, and I've I've gone for um, Cedric Suarez as my my third defender. He's he's five point naught. He's an underrated. I think he's quite an underrated player. I mean, he only actually got three assists last season, but like you were saying, you know, 
he, he gets the ball into the box a lot. He's very good at crossing. Yeah. Um, he passes the eye test whenever he performs. He was great for Portugal um, during yeah, the European Championships. Time, yeah. And I think if they get someone who can get on the end of um, the likes of Bertrand's and Suarez's uh, crosses, then we'll definitely see like an increase in returns in terms of assists from those players. Yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe it'll be like, you know, when Austin gets back. I mean, um, like, in, our, in the article, um, Ed shows that actually his chance conversion and his kind of general attacking stats Austin are a lot better than Gabby Adini's mm-hmm. um, uh, Gabby has been se- given a 7 hasn't he and Austin's been given a 6.5 so it'll be really interesting to watch I think pre-season to see who's there but we'll come on to strikers later um, in terms of defenders so 5.5-ish you've got the likes of Lindelof our non-goal scoring defender from Manchester who's just signed for Manchester United who we said would be about 5.5 to 6 and when Bayi got the 6 we thought, you know what, Lindelof might well get the 5.5 here. And I think he's going to be really popular at that price, Nick. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely a cheap way into the United defence. Possibly the cheapest. Is he nailed? I think he probably will be nailed. I think he. I think Mourinho's setting up with uh, Bailly and Lindelof as his first choice uh, centre-backs at the beginning of the season. I have been thinking about getting um, Lindelof into my team I haven't been able to fit him in because of budget constraints yeah. unfortunately but I can imagine you know, I'm, I'm thinking about perhaps bringing him in yeah. I have to have to figure out because I've got a fourth defender as well but do you want to tell us your second defender first uh, I've looked over a couple of 5.5s uh, PVA who actually scored uh, five goals uh, the season just gone six goals the season before would you be looking about four or five goals from him per season that's pretty good um, and then you've also got uh, Monreal who I think will end up being the left centre-back for Arsenal in the same way that um, Azpilicueta has become the right centre-back for uh, Chelsea but Dawson uh, Craig Dawson uh, scores four goals a season actually he has a superior ICT to Gareth McCauley, who uh, managed to get six goals last season. Um, his, uh, his ICT score, Dawson, is 148 compared to uh, McCauley's 135. And what this kind of shows is that despite the fact McCauley is conversing the chances, Dawson is also getting involved, getting up there, getting, uh, being one of the targets for deliveries for West Brom. And you know, I was, I was really hoping for a 4.5, Nick, but it was 5.0, and, and you mm. had one man that you weren't too sure about, Mr. Nyom. What was what's that all about? Well, I think we're, we're a little bit disappointed with the prices because I've, I've been looking at the, the 4.5 defenders, actually. You've got the likes of Ben Mee at Burnley. Yeah. You've got Francis at Bournemouth, not necessarily going to be nailed. You've got, you got Danny Simpson, Wes Morgan at um, Leicester, but... They don't have great opening fixtures. Yeah, you've got Harry Maguire at Leicester as you've well. You've got Harry Maguire. So, so Harry Maguire's 5.0. Yeah, I know, but I'm yeah. maybe, maybe Morgan yeah. is going to miss out. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, the one player that I was thinking about possibly as a decent choice at 4.5 is uh, DeAndre Yedlin. I mean, he's a very decent attacking fullback. He passed the eye test definitely in the, in the World Cup a few years back now when he was playing for the US of A. But, um, you know, in the... Last time in the Premier League as well, we got three assists, and in the Championship for Newcastle, he got one goal and five assists. So he's he's got a lot of potential. So I have been thinking maybe DeAndre Yedlin should be my uh, fourth defender. But do I want like <laughs> do I want this guy in my first eleven for like game week every game week? No, not you, really. You know what though, Nick? I've gone even mad. So um, well, so I haven't I haven't gone for Yedlin. Yeah, you haven't gone. For no, I've, I've actually uh, gone for Craig Dawson as well at the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, like I was saying, I was very disappointed with the defender prices. 
all you know, Alan Yorm's five point noughts, Eric Peters five point. Oh no! What, what have these guys done to, exactly. to get price rises? Three points. What has Peters done? Ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> so so Dawson at five point zero is your least expensive defender. Is that what you're telling me? At the moment, yeah. So oh, so God. go on in, Tom. That's crazy. So. I was looking initially at Burnley and Crystal Palace. They were quite a good rotation. The first five, if you did get them together, would be Huddersfield, West Brom, Swansea, Crystal Palace, and Southampton. A few issues with this. One is that I've got West Brom, a goalkeeper. Two is that I've got Dawson, so I've got a double up on West Brom, which I'm... I've also got, even though I castigated you on the last part <laughs> for <laughs> doing that. And I've got a Southampton player, I've got Ryan Bertrand, so I, I can't have that. This, this is crazy. Um, and then looking around the 4.5s, I mean, Crystal Palace, you've got. You got um, Sugar Hut bouncer botherer James Tompkins uh, at four point five. I'm not too sure that he's going to be playing, and especially because no. they've just signed is it Rid Rid Weld or something from Ajax. Yeah, I'm not going to try and pronounce it exactly. So I think that they're kind of I don't I don't know. And I was looking around, and then one thing I noticed is that Brighton and Newcastle were the only teams um, where they haven't got a defender that goes above four point uh, above four point five. Mm-hmm. Apart from and then Huddersfield, we've got Tom, Tommy Smith who got four goals and ten assists last year. Pretty damn good. But what I've done, Nick, has gone a bit mad, and I've got um, two. Uh, Huddersfield defender and a Brighton defender at the moment in my sight. So I'm a big fan actually of, of Lewis Dunk. Is he your Brighton defender? <laughs> well, that, that's a slam dunk, Nick. Actually, and um, I think I, I was listening to you last week. I, I was just overawed by by Lewis Dunk. I'd look into him, and you know what? For, for at this kind of level, you're looking at attacking, trying to get attacking returns from these guys. I mean, if you dig it a Huddersfield clean sheet, congratulations. But there's no way you can com- you can claim that you knew that was going to happen. Maybe Middlesbrough last year, towards the end, you'd have got a case for saying, yeah, that was a really obvious nil nil. But for Huddersfield, I mean, it, like Lewis Dunk, 0.9 shots per game last year. Uh, two goals and one assist. I mean, that, that's pretty decent. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, for four point five, I think that might be okay. They do have a tricky opening fixture against Manchester City, though. So is, is he is in your first team then? Is he? No, he's not. The, the man who's uh, on the pitch at the moment is uh, Hefeli from Huddersfield, and I'm, I'm acting off a tip off from uh, Huddersfield uh, native Neil Gupta, who's one of our friends. Um, I looked into him as well. So he got three goals last season from the back, and he was the main. Uh, target for all the balls in uh, from Huddersfield, for Huddersfield, and um, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, Aaron Moy will keep that up this year. But he was on 0.8 shots per game. In comparison, Gary Cahill 0.6 shots per game. So I've got two. Uh, obviously, the the gap between the Premier League and the Championship is that it should be borne in mind. Um, but I've got two players who, have, who are equal with Robert Huff, who got 0.8, 0.8 shots per game. In fact, 0.1 more for Lewis Dunk. Um, but that kind of the first four or five. I mean, it was, it was Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Southampton, and West Brom with those guys kind of rotating, which I think mean, could be okay. I mean, the other option I'm considering is maybe to have one 5.0 and two 4.0s. So who was going to be on the bench even? Yeah, it might be that case. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not too interested at the moment um, in a lot of the players who are there and 4.0s particularly we couldn't find any playing 4.0s could we no so your fifth defender I take it is bench fodder then 4.0 bench fodder yeah it's um, basically what I'm going to do is at the start of the uh, the start of the sorry near the start of the season I'm going to look at who is the lowest owned 4.0 bring him in just to ward, hope, off any, to ward off any price drops, yeah. Oh, I see, um, yeah. So I'm not going to be in trouble. I'm not going to have like a really highly owned 4.0 who I see 0.1 dropping off of after the first week when loads of people who perhaps aren't as engaged have bought him in thinking he might play. That's fair enough. I've got on uh, Liam Rosenia at the moment. Um, 
he's been in the Premier League before. Um, in 2013-2014, you know, he actually scored a goal and got three assists, so he's got some sort of Premier League history to him. Will he play in the Brighton first team? Not necessarily, but maybe if a couple of injuries, he might get in at some point. So, you know, he, he's he's who I've got it on at the moment, but it's, it's, it's not important. Right, shall we take the next exit and um, take a break and move on to midfielders in the next section? Sounds good. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Right, let's uh, let's talk about premium midfielders then, Nick. And uh, who have you got? Have you got any of that defence? Well, I'd say Philippe Coutinho is a premium midfielder. <laughs> I mean, well, the, the guy got 13 goals and he got 8 assists last season. And that was only actually from 28 appearances, including 3 off the bench, because he missed part of the season through injury. I think actually... That game week he got injured, he was looking on fire. I was, I was saying to you, I was thinking this guy's probably going to be like the play of the season, maybe, because he was just smashing it week in, week out. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Coutinho. I couldn't actually afford Mane. Mane's slightly more expensive. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't willing to risk it with um, Salah at this point either. So I've gone for Coutinho. Uh, so I've, I've doubled up. With Liverpool in the team, because I've obviously got Milner in defence oh, okay. as well. Well, I've got I've got Mane. I was saying Mane, Mane, Mane the whole time. The main Mane for me is Mane. Um, last season, looks at before he got injured, um, and obviously discounting the games as away from the African Cup of Nations as well. And um, if you look at that, um, look at his points out, but you get a five point five seven points per game, which is pretty damn good. I mean, that would have been two hundred plus if he if he'd repeated that over two uh, the whole season. And I really think this guy makes Liverpool tick. I think that, you know, if he's unavailable, Liverpool don't seem to do as well. Um, with Salah in there, it might be interesting to see who Salah takes points of. But, you know, for me, Mane in there is a captaincy option. He's a player who, I mean, we've obviously both captain players. <laughs> These players said in the free hit article that we've both gone for Mane that, were, that week when there were only four teams playing when we should have captained Lukaku. That's yeah. my most recent memory of captaining that was, that Mane. Was a bad week. But at the same time, like you can't, I can't get away from how good Mane is. And for, for 9.5, I mean, I've ignored um, Sanchez, 12.0. I just don't like Arsenal at the beginning of the season. This is like effective forecasting. I don't want like the fact that we're not going to do very well at the start of the season to also creep into my fancy football feelings like it's it's bad enough that I think we're going to do badly it's even worse if it's a double whammy of my FPL team doing badly I think you're right Sanchez is too expensive for my taste as well 12.0 is highly priced obviously he's unsettled you think he's he's going to stay at Arsenal he's not necessarily going to be the top of his game when the season begins and um, you know Arsenal's I haven't actually got any Arsenal players in my team no no me neither me neither I mean um, I, I was hoping Ozil would be 9.0 I think he would have been in my team if he was 9.5 is a no um, and for me actually I've got two kind of premium midfielders the second one is Kevin De Bruyne um, which is probably going to be a bit of a surprise it's a bit anti-meta a bit anti-template but I had a good chat with a couple of people on Twitter particularly Luke Thunberg and uh, they start with uh, Bournemouth away Kevin De Bruyne is one of those players that I think Pep actually likes he's going to be fairly immune to rotation 33 appearances last season only three off the bench he seems to be the guy who makes things tick Bernardo Silva he does have a lot of similar character- characteristics, but he seems to be positioned on the left. That's where he was playing last season. De Bruyne, six goals, 21 assists. It's ridiculous. 199 points. I actually looked into his last season as well. 25, uh, he played 25 games. 
10 goals, 8 assists. If you gross that up, you end up with 5.24 points per game, which ends up at 199 points all over again. So really, he scored 199 points both seasons, and he's been given a 0.5 discount, 10.5 last season, 10 this season. I think City cover is going to be useful. De Bruyne is the man, I think, who's going to have the least issues. I mean, do you have a City player in, Nick? I do, actually. I've got Leroy Sane. Oh, really? So he's priced at 8.5. Yeah, I, I think look is, at him. He is a reasonable price, I'd say. Um, he didn't really start at the beginning of the season. He was because he was new to Manchester City. He hadn't necessarily settled down. Yeah, well, so, he, him, so right? he only played um, 1,781 minutes last season. But he got five goals and seven assists, and he had quite a strong end to the season. Um, he's only 21, so he's improving. I think this might be his breakthrough year, perhaps. So I, I see a lot of potential in him. Obviously, there is a rotation risk there. So I'm slightly concerned about that with the likes of Raheem Sterling and, uh, you know, David Silva, Bernardo Silva. Yeah, they were hanging around, are Manchester they? City have two strikers as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of rotation risk there. So I'm not, you know, 100% on Sane. If it, you know, in, if, if in the build-up to game week one, it looks like he's not going to start. I might have to switch things around a little bit. Yeah. But at the moment, I've got Sane in my team. Yeah, I mean, he got... Um as you said, five goal, uh, five goal, seven assists, 105 points. Um, works out at 4.04 points per game, which would have been 154 points over 38, which would be in the top 20 mids. I mean, obviously, we've, we just breezed over two players who I think are going to be in a lot of people's teams. One player in particular, uh, Deli Ali, 9.5. I think we were both expecting 10.0, so 9.5 is very, very nice. And I think that there are a lot of people who are going to be using Ali as the... Uh, as the cover for not having Harry Kane at 12.5. We'll talk about that later on. Um, and then the other one's Christian Eriksen, of course. I mean, last season, 225 for Ali, 218 for Eriksen. So similar. Uh, the outputs, actually, I mean, Ali, 18 goals, 11 assists versus Eriksen, 8 goals, 20 assists. The difference like, lays in bonus points to some extent. That's where how Eriksen caught up. 17 bonus for Ali, 30 bonus points for Christian Eriksen last season. And, you know, in terms of the stats, actually, Ericsson kind of wipes the floor with Ali incredibly. I mean, for, for influence, it's only kind of 969 to 975, so only six points ahead. For creativity, seven points, uh, more than double Ali. So, so Ali's creativity was 778, Ericsson's 1679, which is nine more assists, that makes sense. And threat is also really similar. Um, and the overall kind of ICT index score is 390 for Ericsson versus just 302 for Ali. Um, really, you know, it's one of those things that when you look into it, all the stats would suggest that Ericsson is the man. But Ali scores goals, and fundamentally, that's what we're looking for from FBL, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, Ericsson's on the set pieces as well, so he's obviously a very popular pick. It's, it's another case of which one do you pick out of the two. I've always gone for Ali over Ericsson in yeah. my teams. Because I think he's got a higher point ceiling, but yeah, that, that I think that's probably I think that's definitely right. It's all about the point ceiling, and that that's what's there for. I mean, Ericsson's more of like an Oatsil drip feed. Every week you're going to get maybe six points. Right? Yes, you can get six an assist. or seven. Yeah, you get an assist. You get a goal. You get your bonus. I mean, Ericsson because of the ball retention stats, presumably is keep is getting more bonus. But when it comes down to it, I'm going to have Harry Kane in my team. Spoiler alert, and I think Nick is as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, and the the thing is that if I've got Kane in my team, I'm not going to be captaining Ali or Ericsson, and which means that I'm kind of thinking at the start of the season, you know what? I don't want either of them quite yet. I was looking at Kieran Trippier for being the second spur instead of uh, Ryan Bertrand, 
But at the moment, with Carl Walker still there, and we're not too sure what's going on, I'm going to leave the defence as a Wembley factor as well. Harry Kane's my man, and Ericsson and Ali are for now not in the team. That could change closer to the time. But, you know, that, that's kind of it. Um, apologies if there are any other premium midfielders you want us to talk about. We've got to move on to the mid-range, I think, here. We kind of started to talk about them with, uh, with Sana. Well, yeah, Sana's um, on the higher end of mid-range, 8. 5, say 8.5. Yeah, that's it. And one thing to bear in mind is uh, Riyad Mahrez, 8.5. If he goes to Arsenal, which I bloody well hope he doesn't, we don't need any more fair-weather players. We don't need players who play well when it's going well and don't show up if it's not going well. But... 8.5 for an Arsenal player could be good, especially if he signs. Well, yeah, it depends which Mares shows up. If it's the Mares of two years ago, then he could be an absolute steal he at 8.5. He, he might be. be in everyone's team. You don't know, Tom. <laughs> he so could be, I guess so. We'll have to see. I guess Mahrez. so. I mean, Siggy, Siggy 8.5 at the yes, moment. I'm, I'm not particularly interested in him. I think he'd run those players who comes in if. I mean, he's it's looking like he could go to Everton. Um, I think if he went to Everton, he he might get in our teams. He might get in our wild card teams in uh, game week six uh, when Everton's fixtures change. Yeah, a lot of people might be looking at him then because, of course, he's got an amazing set piece threat. One hundred eighty-one points last season. I mean, I I don't know. I think Rooney would be on penalties. I guess. But I mean, that's still pretty decent. Um, I mean, if he's part of that team, they start doing well. I think it's uh, Bournemouth. Burnley and then Brighton away the two first fixtures at home after game week six ridiculous if he goes to Everton he might well find a spot in our teams and Davy Klaassen to go down 7.5 um, 13 goals 9 assists for Ajax last season a guy who loves to break the deadlock he's one to wait and watch 7.5 and uh, ever so sadly the other 7.5 I want to talk about I picked out is a uh, is Antonio 7.5 I'm very annoyed I think that he has just missed out on my team I said last week I think he would have been the man who would have been in my team no matter what I mean 9 goals 8 assists last season uh, 8 goals 7 assists the season before 227 ICS which is pretty uh, pretty da- ICT sorry which is pretty damn good a personal favourite of mine but I just don't think I can find room for him at 7.5. What about uh, Lanzini at 7.0 oh, maybe? He's slightly cheaper. I, I mean, 7.0 might be a canny price for Lanzini, but at the same time, I'm just, I'm just, well, not, even in, I'm just not interested. I mean, everything is wrong with that as far as I'm concerned. In my first draft, I did put Lanzini in, but I had to actually swap him out because there's a much better choice at 7.0. Is that it Cesc Fabregas? No, it's, well, it's not actually Cesc Fabregas. Oh, really? No, it's, um, it's Wilfred Zaha. Um, so I wanted exposure for that uh, Huddersfield at home game week one fixture, which I think is a very tasty fixture for Crystal Palace to have at the beginning of the season. Right. I think we're likely to see attacking returns from the two main men at Crystal Palace. One is uh, Christian Benteke, who's unfortunately priced at 8.0 this season, and the other is Wilfred Zaha. So Zaha, he got seven goals. And 11 assists last season, which is, you know, a great return. That's his best best ever, isn't it? It was his best ever. He was was very cheap, actually, last season. He was underpriced at 5.5. You're not going to find anyone as good as Zaha at 5.5 this season, unfortunately. He's 7.0, but he's in my team. Like I said, Huddersfield at home, game week one. I remember like watching Zahar. I think it was a home game towards the end of last season. I remember he got two assists from basically falling over and passing it into the box. Well, he's very, <laughs> he's very, he's very good. Um, he's he's a diver and he's always down. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, he has got a few of those in the past. I mean, moving down six point five. There is one man. I think we've identified one bargain. Woo! 
Um, it is Dusan Tadic, everyone's favourite uh, Southampton uh, midfielder. Uh, we've postulated in the past that he might get the number 10 for Southampton, be freed of defensive duties. Claude, uh, Claude Puel, the Gringotts goblin, put him on the wing, and it, it might be that he doesn't have any tracking back. And, you know, I looked at last year's stats for Tadic, and they're actually pretty decent. Creativity in the ICT was 1 1 1 1. They're just higher than Deli Alley at 779, Coutinho at 1081. And, uh, you, you know, it does look like, you know, if you remember what I said earlier about Southampton stats last year, the goal conversion was 7.5%, whereas the average was 10.7%. If Southampton sorts it out, I mean, we all remember fondly the four assists in 14-15. I mean, in 15-16, the guy got 13 assists, for God's sake. This is, a re- this is a really good player who's a sleeper. 6.5, with the strong fixtures um, from the beginning as well for Southampton. He's, he's a guy who I think is going straight into my team from game week one, Nick. That's a fair shout, to be honest. I don't think... Well, obviously, Tadjic didn't have a great season last season. That's no, why he's had a, a price drop. All the penalties I don't, I don't think well. he was um, really performing for Claude Puel. I think he was one of those players that seemed a bit disenchanted and didn't really perform at his best. But who knows if he's, he's going to step up his game for um, Pellegrino next season. I haven't actually got uh, Dusan Tadic in no. my team, no. Um, my fourth midfielder is... Um, Anthony Knockart. I talked a lot about um, Anthony Knockart on the last pod. As you know, I'm all fired up for him. We obviously, <laughs> I keep repeating this stat. I'm probably going to keep repeating it all season. But he got 15 goals, 8 assists in the Championship last season. And now they've got some tough opening fixtures. And can he handle the Premier League? Who knows? But he he's my punt, and I'm I'm sticking with him for the moment. Okay, so that's your fourth. Okay, so my my fourth. I'm I'm going three five two. My fourth is the Brazilian Willian, um, seven point zero. So a little bit higher from than where we just were. Hazard's injured. Um, you got Willian. You got one one four last year versus Pedro. Uh, 162, which is probably the key kind of who's going to play. I mean, you've got Fabregas as well, but I think, you know, Willian's going to go on the wing. Last year, uh, I've just done a kind of a look at Pedro and Willian. The one thing that really sticks out on the ICT is the creativity for Willian. This is 809 in uh, almost half um, Pedro's uh, appearances. Um, the ICT is really, really close as well. It, last year, uh, the year before last, sorry, 1516. Willian got five goals and ten assists with him was actually Chelsea's player of the season. And he's the guy who's on set pieces as well. And I think, you know, the stats seem to look seem to favour Willian. I really like that. And I think for seven point zero as well, at the beginning of the season, I'm, I, by no means am I saying I'm gonna have him in all season. But at the beginning of the season with no hazard there, I think he's gonna be the man to take that creative burden. And I think he could be the man to return me points, especially with Chelsea kind of with a tendency to do quite quite well at the start of the season I mean, what do you think about Willie and Nick is that silly I think, it, I think it's definitely important to have some Chelsea cover I mean my Chelsea cover is Alonso yeah. I'm not looking to double up on Chelsea I did look at Cesc Fabregas as an option because I think he's priced quite kindly at 7.0 I think he will probably start the season as well with um, Eden Hazard being injured and obviously everyone knows about Fabregas and the amount of assists he's within the top five Premier League history for assists um, so I did look at Fabregas as an option but yeah. no I haven't gone for him okay so do you, is it, so I mean I looked at Knockett um, and I also looked at Knockett 
Richie and Idens, who are the three kind of 6.0s. Um, I knew you were going for Knocker, and part of me kind of thinks that that is why I'm not going to go for Knocker. Um, I've taken the three together. Knocker would have got 221 points, I think, by your article on Prospects mm-hmm. and the Prospects. Um, Tom Ince, 14 goals, 6 assists, got given the 6.0, 198 points, we'd have said he'd have got. Um, the other one, Matt Ritchie, 12, uh, 12 goals, 7 assists, 158 points. The big difference is Matt Ritchie is on penalties for Newcastle. And I think that he's kind of been in a kind of a Siggy esque mould here in some ways, that all the set pieces seem to be for him. He set up all of Kieran Clark's goals last season. He also assisted defenders from corners. Pretty damn good. I mean, for 6.0, I think that's quite nice. I mean, Newcastle were quite a, quite a nice start to the season. And I think of the three of those, I mean, you've got Elias Kachunga as well, uh, 12 goals and two assists, I think it is. I was hoping he'd be 5.5, but he is six, um, who's also in the picture there. But I mean, for your 6.0 punt, I think that's quite nice. Um, I'm also worried with Knockett, Nick. I don't know about you, but about Pascal Gross, who's on, who got given 5.5 as well. I mean, he looks like a, fr- a free kick specialist. So you, I don't know. Would you be worried? Would you think Knockett's the main man? He's going to keep on the clean sheets. Uh, sorry, the, the the free kicks. Possibly. I mean, they might rotate. He might rotate a little bit with Pascal Gross. We'll have to see. But I think um, Knockart is the leading man at Brighton. He'll be nailed on. He's going to be their starting player. And I think you made some very interesting points about Matt Ritchie. He's another option in the midfield. Did you say you? So you haven't gone for Ritchie. Or I have gone for. I have, have gone for Ritchie. Yeah, I have. So, and he's your fourth midfielder. He's my fifth midfielder. Fifth midfielder. So yeah. you're going to be playing. Okay. Yeah. So I've got um, Mane, KDB, Willian, Tadic, and Ritchie are my five. Oh, fair enough. So I've, obviously I've gone for four four two, but my fifth midfielder is uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Ruben, because we had to unfortunately say goodbye to our very good friend and very dear friend Darren Fletcher. I know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Five point zero. What were they thinking? Were they not listening to me? Did they not see the love for Fletcher? I mean, I would have, I would have had him in my team just, just for, just, just out of loyalty. No, I wouldn't have. We're devastated. But. He's gone the way of Alan Yom. He's now five point. <laughs> gone the way of Alan Yom. That's the one. I mean, just looking at the, um, <laughs> looking at the midfielders at four point five. There's hardly anyone there. But I think Ruben Loftus Cheek is a great shout for your um, fifth midfielder. He's a young and upcoming player. He's um, just been announced today. That he's going to be going to Crystal Palace on loan, so hopefully he'll be starting. But it, and maybe he even get forward as well. You know, like who knows? Yeah, I mean, he's, he was doing all right, wasn't he, for Chelsea? I remember, I remember mm-hmm. there was that time towards the end of Mourinho's return to Chelsea, end of that season. People were looking at Bertrand Traore and Loftus Cheek, and Loftus Cheek's stats have been trumpeted as being fairly attacking. Um, I mean, four point five. There's nothing. I mean, five point zero is nothing really there. I mean, no, your Will Hughes. I mean, Chris Brunt, five point five. Move to midfield as well. Rules him out, I think, as an article. 4.5, there's, not, there's just nothing, is there? You need it? to find someone who's playing. That's the main thing, really, because the issue is if one of your players doesn't start and literally none of your bench players are starting either, then that's just dead points. But if you have someone who'll come in for two points, that's that's all you need. And, I mean, there's Ramu for Southampton. He's 4.5. He's likely to start. Um, you've got Glenn Whelan at Stoke, but... Maybe because they've signed Darren Fletcher, will he actually uh, start? Who knows anymore? There's MacArthur, there's Gareth Barry. He's sort of being sent to the retirement home as well. Yeah, out to pasture. People mentioned Tom Carroll as a possible option. Yeah, four point five price. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got potential. Maybe yeah, he was looking good last season, wasn't he? I think a lot of people um, had him in. 
Um, I think, you know, if I was going 3-4-3, and I have been thinking about it, and we'll come on to the strikers in a minute and for why I'm thinking about it, um, I mean, one of those players is great. I mean, get Darren Fletcher, God rest his FPL soul. Okay, Nick. Um, that that rounds off time to rest my chemistry. That reminds us rounds off the midfielders. Let's go on to strikers. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Right, time to discuss forwards, Tom. And uh, the first forward, I think he's on both of our teams. Is yeah, Harry what? Harry Kane? Oh, Harry Harry Kane. Yeah. Harry Harry. He um, he got twenty nine goals yeah, and goal seven assists last season. No, no, I, and that, that was only actually playing 30 games uh, you, you can't look past him can you I mean it's, just, it's, it's incredible stuff I mean 191 points the year he broke through 211 points uh, the season before last and 224 last season I mean the only thing he's he's kind of getting towards Didier Drogba kind of level in 2009-2010 Drogba got 29 goals first in assists 242 points and you, you, you can I can't look past Kane I'm going to be worried and scared if he scores in game week one. I don't have him. And I'm going to want him straight away and think, you know what? I mean, uh, but last week you said that he hadn't played. This is the first kind of some time. He- yeah, I was saying that because a lot of people are throwing around this fact. The fact he's never scored in the Premier League in August. But like I mentioned on last week's pod, he, um, he's played in international tournaments every summer for the last couple of years. So this was his first summer break. I think he's going to come back ready and raring to go. The, the guy is just getting better and better. In the last two Premier League games of the season, he scored seven goals. He was absolutely smashing it. Um, when he played last season, he had an average of 7.47 points per game, which I think is fantastic. Ridiculous. Especially over 30 games to sustain that sort of points per game level is very impressive. And he's, he's the first name on my team sheet. I know, I mean, we haven't seen much transfer activity from Spurs. And you can kind of see why as well. I mean, if you think about it, apart from maybe Walker wanting to go, I don't really see much weakness in that team. I mean, maybe they need you know to replace Wimmer or something. But I mean, Harry Kane, I mean, you've got Son as well. He comes in and does quite a good job when Kane isn't around. But Kane is just so good. that I mean, even with the Champions League, they were in the Champions League last year. Kane is just so good that I just... I, I can't see past him, and I think that there's kind of that moves us on to another guy. I don't think either of us can see past. I mean, Romelu Lukaku. Yes, Romelu Lukaku. Yep, we both got him in our team. Uh, yeah, I think I think it will be a Kane Kaku meta. I think we can't. I think the majority of teams we built around Kane and Kaku because, like, and then they the risk of not owning either of them and them doing well. I mean, we'll talk about Sergio Aguero in a second. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are thinking, oh my God, they haven't mentioned Aguero. We've all mentioned him, and he's just two. But I think that Kane and Kaku, especially from the off, are two players that I can't see past only. Exactly, especially now Lukaku's moved to Manchester United. Obviously, Manchester United have some great opening fixtures. Um, they're playing West Ham at home. What I find interesting, actually, is even though um, Lukaku got 25 goals and six assists last season... But what's interesting is Everton, they had 13.2 shots per game last season, whilst Manchester United had 15.6 shots per game. So you're going to see an improvement there. I think Lukaku's return is going to be even higher next season. Now he's at Manchester United and he's going to be fed by better attacking midfielders. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've done some uh, looks into Manchester United for the site. The next fix-up look sharp is going to be on Manchester United in, in collaboration with, with Ed, who we've spoken about earlier. I mean, he fished out the fact that um, last year, in terms of uh, goal-scoring opportunities, United actually were really profligate 
it was a poor United team in that respect. I mean, they got they compared to City, they had 208 goal scoring opportunities last season compared to City's 211. However, United only converted 54 of those 208 opportunities. City converted 80 of those, and the profligacy was down to Zlatan. I'm afraid to some extent. I mean, Zlatan last season, he's got his uh, shot shot accuracy was 39%. Lukaku's was 48%, and Lukaku scored a goal every 130 minutes. Minutes Zlatan, who was already at United, 140 a goal every 143 minutes. Um, so you know, I think that Lukaku is going to smash it. Game week one, he is going to be my captain. I'm fairly sure, unless he gets injured against West Ham, as Nick's just mentioned. I, it's one of those fixtures like if it's footballer's birthday or if they just had a new baby, I'll look out for that because I want them in my team because they always seem to score. Lukaku always seems to score against West Ham. He scored nine goals against them in his Premier League career so far. Four assists as well. The most he's ever... He, the, the, the team he scores the most against is West Ham. Um, I mean, him, that at home, game week one for United, I think that's the perfect way for him to introduce himself to the Old Trafford faithful. And I think, you're, I, I think that we're, you're going to lose out if you don't have Kaku in your team. It's just one of those where I'm, I'm going with the herd. I'm really behind it. I've been swept along by the herd mentality. And I'm just like, I don't care. Just, you know, I'm crowd surfing. I'm, well, crowd surfing. I'm going to captain Harry Kane, actually. You're mad. And I, think, I don't think I'm mad. Obviously, Kane, Kane <laughs> was smashing it at the end of last season. I've got to captain him. I think Spurs are looking for a revenge against Newcastle. It's definitely, I think on FFS, it's definitely going to be Dean Kane and Kaku as the uh, two options for the captain well, I, I in mean, game week one. It'll I mean, be interesting to see who actually comes first. Out well, of I, well, actually, I, I think that might, there may be an Aguero involved. I mean, we well, do maybe, yeah. we do love Sergio Aguero as fancy managers. We, do, we all do love Aguero, but I think with Gabriel Jesus you know, coming to the fore, Maybe Kunstays are, are numbered. Um, I don't like to say that because he is one of my favourite players. But and he's, and he's, you know, much more reasonable price as well this season, isn't he? Yeah. You know, just as a side note, I'm. I found this, it's one of the ongoing scandals of the Premier League that he's never been nominated for the PFA Team of the Year. It's like his excellence is just completely and utterly, you know, ignored by his professionals. Are just taken to be a hygiene factor. But last year, he managed 20 goals and five assists, even though he was like perceived as being in and out of the team. The problem is there's no room at the end for him, sadly. I mean, I'm, I'm going for Kevin De Bruyne. The stats are ridiculous. Every year, uh, Kuhn has averaged out 20 goals over the last six, last six seasons, bettered only by Harry Kane, in fact. And the points per season as well are better than uh, Kaku's at 177 compared to um, Kaku's 174. But the thing is, that I think that Kuhn is one of those who is... The star is kind of falling. Uh, everything's kind of... He's kind of like drifting away a little bit, whereas... For Kaku, I think things can only get better. Four memories of Sergio Aguero, five goals Sergio Aguero. But I think that it might be time to say there's no room for him for me. I mean, Gabriel Jesus is one that I've had a look at and I tweeted mm-hmm. about him. A new, a, new, a new Messiah is born in, in Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he got seven goals and four assists last season. 67 points, obviously he didn't play too much at no. the end of the season. But he did um, average... 7.44 points per game, which is only slightly like lower than um, Harry Kane. Oh, so, so but obviously, completely, completely unsustainable. Obviously, yeah, I mean, obviously Kane played 30 games, whilst Jesus played far fewer. So I mean, it, it could be an absolute steal at 10.5. I think he is Nick, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean, so what's kind of below 10, Nick? 
Well, after Jesus, we've got Costa. He's 10.0. I don't think anyone's particularly looking at him, to be honest, considering he looks like he possibly is leaving Chelsea. Mm. He's definitely, Conte's definitely not looking at him and wants him to leave. Um, you know, someone like Morata might still come to the Premiership. So if he does, we'll probably cover him before the season begins in another pod. Yeah. And after that, then you've got um, Bobby Firmino. Um, he's been reclassified. He was a midfielder last season, but now he's a forward. Um, he got 11 goals and 11 assists last season with 180 points. season before, he got 10 goals, 8 assists. So you're likely to see a, a decent return from him as well. He's slightly cheaper if you're looking to spend your budget elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, the only problem with that, I think, is that you've got Salah and you've got Mane. And I think that well, I think what will happen is that Firmino creates the space for those two to score goals. Um, so I think that maybe his points will be cannibalised a little bit. It, it's, it's all about the goals for them. And I do worry, even though he got into double figures last year, I do worry about, about Firmino for that. And I think Mane is the key man there. I mean, going down to 8.0, um, the key man is uh, yeah. Defoe, isn't it? Yeah, Jermaine Defoe. Um, Defoe has scored 15 goals two seasons in a row now. So he's definitely someone that people will be looking at. Obviously, he's getting old, but he, he that doesn't seem to stop him. I think he'll have a good season again. He's got um rivalry with uh, Josh King, who's also been reclassified as a forward this season. Yep, 7.5. I mean... I- I mean, Bournemouth between 11 and 16, I think, have got quite decent fixtures, haven't they, Nick? Yeah, they do have good fixtures. They've got Newcastle, Huddersfield, Swansea, Burnley, Southampton, Crystal Palace. That's a great run of fixtures. So I think between those weeks, um, we might be looking at Bournemouth players, perhaps a forward, one of Josh King or um, Defoe, depending on who's in form. Maybe a defender like Nathan Ake. Yeah, maybe. I mean, um, well, yeah, we spoke so about Ake on the last pod. I mean, we haven't really, I don't think either of us have really considered him for our opening teams, have we? Well, I have thought about him, but I haven't chosen to put anyone from Bournemouth in my uh, opening team. No, Unfortunately, he no, was 5.0, like many a defender. Yeah, they're very they're very stoky. I think the 5.0 is probably the you know, something that's going to push you away from Ake. Um, uh, moving down, I mean, uh, Tekkers. One through six points. I was surprised to see him go up to 8.0, but someone um, on, I think on the forum said to me that maybe this is a readjustment, remembering he was Liverpool's uh, unwanted man um, last season. Uh, I mean, 15 goals was pretty good, same as Defoe. I mean, memorably, he got a brace against Liverpool um, in the double game week 34, and you know he's got them again away in game week two on top of a decent get, uh, opening fixture, doesn't he? So, you know, mm. he could be one who figures in some squads. I mean, you've, got, you've gone Zahar over Benteke. Is there any reason? Well, it's more to do with my formation, really. I wasn't going to go 4-3-3. I wanted to go 4-4-2. So, Benteke didn't really fit into my team. For a third striker, he's, he's very expensive as well. So, he didn't really uh, fit into the model. There's someone, someone who we haven't actually covered, Tom, who we probably should mention is Lacazette as well. Mm. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. I mean, last season, I think I think it was uh, 20, 28 goals, three assists for Lacazette. The only problem was that 10 of those goals were penalties. Um, so, I mean, some uh, to some extent, there was a lot of media coverage to say that he was very similar to Sanchez, you know, energy bunny, kind of kept running, kept running. Duracell bunny, I'd say, rather than energy bunny. <laughs> kept running and running and running, always going after the ball, always chasing lost causes, lots of determination, lots of stamina. Looks 
pretty good. Um, game week six onwards, I think we've got quite a good fixtures Arsenal. Um, so I think that he is the one to be looking at at that time for the turn. But he's one of those where you kind of think from the beginning of the season, especially because we don't know how he's going to hit the ground running. We're not. I'm not going to look at him just yet. No, you don't know if he'll even start. Perhaps uh, Wenger will choose to start um, Olivier Giroud as Lacazette oh. gets ad- adjusted to the uh, Premier League. Get that or, donkey off the field. You know, who knows? So, I mean, neither of us have any Arsenal in our first team, but I think we'll definitely be looking at Arsenal from game week six onwards. They've got um, quite tasty fixtures against West Brom, Brighton, Watford... Everton and Swansea so that's quite a good round of fixtures there yeah I think that's kind of a time to bring them in uh, I mean the, uh, very similar level of player in terms of profile well formerly even bigger profile and now kind of heading downhill is uh, is roompig.com uh, Wayne Rooney 7.5 I was quite surprised about that that um, is quite cheap actually for it, Rooney to it, be fair it is it is and you, you've got to imagine he's at Everton to be the, the main man yeah, he'll be on penalties, no doubt. Yeah, so, so they've got that, that that nice run of fixtures: uh, Bournemouth, Burnley, and Brighton. Game week six. I mean, if it does turn out that Rooney hits the ground running, we'll see. But when I mean, you've still got that thing that Koeman is going after the UEL, I think, and that's his aim to some extent this year. And also, you've got Sandro Ramirez, who got the seven point five. We were fairly impressed by him. We did the prospects and the prospects. 14 goals and 7 assists for Malaga who finished mid-table in La Liga last season yeah. that could be you know one again it depends who's the main man if he's if it's 4-4-2 that could be okay yeah definitely I mean like we said 3-4-3 is the most popular formation but I'm looking at third strikers and I'm, I'm struggling to, to pick who would actually fit into that third striker slot unless you go like really premium with your front three and I know some people are talking about teams where they're fitting in the likes of Kane, Kaku and Lacazette all in one team, you know, you're going to struggle to find a third striker who's good enough to fit them all. And I mean, who do we have around the 6.5 price bracket? I mean, you've got... R- Rondon. Yeah, exactly. Well, you've got J-Rod, who's just been given the forward classification, unfortunately. And you've got Ikea Nacho, if he goes to Leicester. You've got Jamie Vardy, 8.5. I think that's probably a bit too much. If Ikea Nacho goes to Leicester, I mean, I'm 7.0. I'm worried about him and Vardy. They seem like very similar players. I mean, the only time when Leicester have got really good fixtures is the run-in when they've got... Uh, Brighton away Newcastle home Burnley away Southampton home Palace away West Ham at home and end up with Tottenham yeah I think Charlie Austin seems to be a popular pick on Twitter 6.5 we're not sure if he's going to start necessarily obviously Southampton have some great fixtures but who knows if he's going to start for my third striker actually I've I've gone pretty cheap obviously it's going to be a bench warmer for me I've got uh, Calvert-Lewin Calvert-Lewin so he's only 5.0 I think he's a young player with plenty of potential and he did very well in the under 20s Um, Coleman has been talking about him he's tried to promote youth and he said that Calvert-Lewin's he's hailed Calvert-Lewin's big improvement and phenomenal attitude so he's a very good young player. I mean, around the 5.0 to 4.5 strikers, there's there's really not that much selection. And in the 5.0 bracket, you've also got Peter Crouch, Robson, Carnu, uh, Jordan Ayew, um, Joa, and Enna Valencia. And I don't necessarily think any of these guys are actually going to start. Perhaps Peter Crouch, maybe. Who knows? I'm not saying Howard Lewin's going to start. He probably won't. But I think he's a player that if he does really improve next year, he might, he might see him breaking into the Everton team and see a sudden rise in, in value so it's a bit of a punt 
I, I was thinking about maybe actually going ultra cheap and putting a 4.5 striker in. There you've got the likes of Ashley Fletcher and not much else, to be honest. So yeah, it's, who, it's, who it's, pretty, you, it's pretty rubbish, isn't it? Who have you got as your first striker? I mean, I was looking at it. I, mean, I, I mentioned I had Kevin De Bruyne earlier. I initially had uh, Sana and um, I was looking at Two six point zeros. Um, the two I was looking at were Tammy Abraham and uh, Man in the Mooney, Steve Mooney. Apologies. <laughs> um, uh, Tammy Abraham, twenty three goals, three assists last season for Bristol City. The way we worked out, he got four point eight five points per game, and um, that's compared to Steve Mooney, uh, fourteen goals, three assists for uh, for Montpellier. 4.06 points per game. So you got Tammy Abraham, 4.85. He could be quite nice. I mean, uh, Lorente's broken his arm out of the team for the tour. Will he be back for game week one? No preseason under his belt. Could it be that Tammy Abraham and Jordan Ayew start? I mean, 5.0. I'm looking at Ayew, 5.5, sorry, for Ayew. I'm looking at him. But I can't fit everyone in, Nick. That's the big issue. I, I need a 5.0. And for me, I mean, there's two that I was looking at. One is uh, Naki Wells, unfortunately. Depotra and Mooney are both in, um, which means that Tomar Hemed, the Israeli superstar, is currently occupying my third striker slot. Um, 20 appearances last season, full games, that is, 17 off the bench. Let's see if he plays. I've got no idea, but the problem is that, you know, with the the dearth of third strikers, I am thinking of maybe rejigging. I like 3-5-2, but at the same time, you know, there's only so far you can tolerate having a terrible backup. If there's no backup, there's no Darren Fletcher, no, no, I guess, Victor and Nietzsche being a 3-5-2 coming off the bench for me in in the light of any issues. And I'm pretty screwed. I mean, maybe I've got my rotating defender. I don't know. It depends how close to the wind I want to sail. An Icarus issue could happen where I'm just flying too close to the sun with only one playing player on my bench if I've got a 4.0 keeper two 4.0 defenders and a, I don't know I, I just don't know so Tomai Hemed is my final player in my team at the moment so um, I think that's kind of that kind of rounds off our teams Nick I mean, so I guess my team overall is uh, Foster Myhill and then I've got Bertrand uh, Dawson uh, Craig Dawson that not is obviously not Michael Dawson not uh, Michael Smalling Hefele no. <laughs> Uh, Dunk um, at a 4.0 bench for the midfield KDB Mane Willian Tadic Richie and also I should say here thanks very much to Ryan at Fancy Yearmar for uh, having our article on the site thanks very much Ryan and up top I've got Kaku and Kane who will be the main men I think that most teams are going to be based around and Israeli superstar Toma Hemed as, uh, as my third striker well I think Nicola will say Mazel Tov to that so, <laughs> um, so, so my team is uh, I've got Foster and Elliot as my goalkeepers I've got Milner Alonso Cedric Dawson and then Benchfoda Rossinha as my defenders. In midfield, I've got Zaha, Knockart, Sane, and Coutinho, and also Ruben Loftus Cheek on the bench. Yeah. And up front, I've got Lukaku and Kane with Calvert Lewin also on the bench. Okay, well, I mean, big, big caveat these are all subject to change, but I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope that was useful. Um, we're at www.whogotofassist.com follow us on Twitter we're at whoassisted underscore FPL and we will be back before game week one uh, probably you know Tuesday or Wednesday before to talk about our teams what we think is going to happen that week 
and we will be pumping out content on our website you know prospect the prospects will keep going we'll look at fix up look sharps continue to look at kind of teams and that kind of thing going forward um, and I, I think that's about it Nick do you want to tell everyone the mini the mini league uh, login again yep so our league code is uh, 1538-17403 and you can find it on our Twitter as well and we're going to put it on the website as well that's well, it thank you guys and we hope this assists you thanks oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.